What's up, guys? Welcome to episode number 67 of Beef's Beef. I uh, got a returning guest. I've actually had a few people tell me, I didn't want to tell him before we did it, that this is actually their favorite guest that I've had on. But uh, we'll see We'll see if some of the Louisville fans still feel that way after this one. Because uh, this is an, a preview episode for the Louisville-North Carolina game, which is tomorrow. Uh, was it January 12th? I believe that Correct. tomorrow is. Yes, sir. Uh, with me again is Mr. B.J. Cato. How's it going? What's happening, Beef? You didn't have to lie to start out, but make me feel nice and warm and fuzzy before you lay these facts on me. I see yeah. how it goes. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> so, uh, it's been a little bit since I've done an episode. Uh, I mean, I've talked on, I've talked in the past about uh, some things that's going on uh, outside of the podcast, Uh Dear friends of both of us here, going through a tough time. So last weekend I went down to Memphis to see them. Uh, a lot of you guys that listen to the podcast already know about it. Uh, even if, if you didn't, uh, I have a great friend whose son is going through uh, a tough battle with uh, infant cancer, ATRT. Uh, they're at St. Jude's in Memphis. Uh, went down to see them, like I said, last weekend. So it's been pretty tough to get episodes out not only because i went down there but just been a lot of complications with that so uh, just wanted to let you guys know that's what's kind of been going on it's not that i'm ignoring you guys or that i don't have things to say it's sometimes life takes priority over over fun so uh, just a little bit of stuff we'll talk about today I'll, I'll we'll recap a little bit the past week and a half for louisville uh Lost to Kentucky, uh, played Miami, came back, uh, played Pittsburgh, and I'm not really going to harp that long on that one, other than just a few key point key points to kind of go into the game tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk about the North Carolina Louisville game matchups, what we think is going to happen, uh, key players stuff stuff to that sort, like we did last year with this game. Hopefully, it's a different outcome than the one last year. Last year's was not very fun to watch. And uh, we're also going to dabble a little bit on the NFL playoffs. We both still have – both of our teams are still alive, uh, which is better than what some people can say. <laughs> so, um, but first, uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, the Louisville-Kentucky game. The week before, we were out for our buddy's birthday. I watched you guys play them. They pretty much did the same thing to both of us. Yes. I, I mean, they just put us out of sorts. It – I'd said on here on the episode before the game, I, as much as I like Quade Green and as much as I think Quade Green is a solid player and a good kid, it almost feels like addition by subtraction since they've lost him. Right. Because now it's letting Aston Hagens play through his mistakes. Right. And Quigley. I mean, Hagens is definitely the the, the focus of it. The straw yeah. that stirs the drink, I would say. And he should be because he starts it on the right end of the court and uh, is a facilitator, but his penetration – tough to defend and when you've got shooters around him and, and um, other guys who can score the ball around him it's pretty good and his attitude towards the game almost reminds me of the cow guards that we see in the past your John Walls your Derrick Roses he scores on the offensive end and he's getting in you on the defensive end after yeah. he scores or he makes a good play. He no look pass for a dunk or something or a pass for a three he's getting in you on the other end I told people this. I, I believe me. You and I talked about it. 
I think Ashton Hagens is the most important player on that team. I yep. think if they didn't have Ashton Hagens, they would be right back to where they were. It's funny to see a freshman leading the team because they actually have a couple of upper or I say upperclassmen for Kentucky upperclassmen, um, but he's leading by example, which is a very interesting thing as well too. Yeah, so um, Louisville lost seventy-one fifty-eight to Kentucky. Uh, you all lost, I think, around the same amount. Yep. Uh, eighty seventy-two. Yeah, so. Um, they yeah eighty I mean eighty seventy two yeah so y'all lost by eight. Uh, Louisville after that game took a week off pretty much. Uh, I watched the game in, on my phone on the way back from uh, Memphis. Uh, got down early. This this is the big thing with this team. And early on in the Kentucky game, I said to myself, after we Noir or uh, Perry hit a tough three, Noir hit a tough three, and I said to myself, this isn't good. We're scoring, and the game's tied, but we haven't had a good look the whole time. We're just hitting shots. Right. And unless you're 85 Villanova, most of the time that's not going to work. Right. If you're just hitting tough shots, you're not. it's not going to extend for a full game. And I could tell early on, especially with how this team has played all season, you knew that that wasn't going to hold up. So yeah, defensively, you guys don't have the team that you all usually have. So offensively, you're going to have to be more efficient. And it's like you said, if you're hitting shots, you're going to be tough to beat. But how long can that last in the game? Absolutely, especially with guys that aren't really that experienced. Or if they are experienced, they're not really experienced at this level. Because you have guys like Quan Four and Kristen Cunningham, or even Akoya Gal, which his minutes have, have uh, gone down a lot since the beginning of the season. But Kristen Cunningham's playing his tail off. Right. Uh, I don't know how how much you've gotten to watch us, but Kristen Cunningham to me is the biggest delight I've had on this team this year. Because you see his numbers coming in from Sanford, it left a lot to be desired. I mean, yeah, he was a good facilitator, but I mean, he held us in the Kentucky game for a lot of that game, scoring twenty on them. Right. Uh, Miami had a great game, and then Pittsburgh he had a great game. It's it's very rare outside of someone like Damian Lee, whose number or when a grad transfer comes in and his numbers go up. Right. Because more often than not, they're just a part of the team. Right. But Cunningham has come in and has just fit right in and and gone and, and kept going. So I'd like to see him assist more. By the way, you know, yeah. You're looking at a lot of games he's leading girls team in assists, but a lot of those games are three to five assists per game. So that's the thing that confuses me. High um, high assist man on the year. Uh, McMahon with nine in the Miami game. To me, somebody should have a double-digit assist game at yeah. some point this year. Yeah, I mean, Cunningham, and the biggest thing is a, a big thing that I, I'll bring up during it. This team is very uh, – we're very turnover-prone, right. and we don't average very many assists. A lot of those times it is it, – it's not just Cunningham, it's the whole team. Right. Uh, it, I don't it, – it's weird, man. A lot. Of, it seems like a lot of our stuff is one-on-one -on -one stuff. Or you throw it into the post and then they make a move and it doesn't have an assist. There's certain games, and the games that we do have a lot of assists, we usually win. Right. And so the big a big thing that I will start with, the Miami game, Louisville was down 30-15. to 15, And something they've been struggling with is slow starts. And got down 30-15, to 15, made a run, cut it to, cut it to single digits by half, took the lead, and then went about 17 against Miami. I was like, all right, they got that slow start out of the way. Bounce back, and yeah. that Miami team is not a bad team either. No, I mean, they, they're not they, a great team. They showed out 
well against North Carolina State. Mm-hmm. They blew a big lead like they did against us, but North Carolina State at this moment, I would say, is definitely a better team than Louisville. Yeah. And especially it's a lot tougher place to play than it is in Louisville. That place is one of the tougher places to play in the ACC. North Carolina kind of has their number, so it's tough for me to say that. Yeah. But with that being said, that North Carolina State team looks like a good team this year. They just they look stakes that will shoot them in the foot like a lot of other programs. Yeah. So Louisville comes off that, has their first uh, – has Chris Mack's first true uh, ACC road game to Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh team that – it's not the same team as the last two years. No, not even close. And – but it's still coming in. They just lost to you guys, I believe, right? Correct. Uh, coming in with 23 straight ACC losses. And it's losses. This should, all right, cool. We'll just go ahead and go beat Pittsburgh. These teams aren't just going to roll over, especially in a conference like this. They look at bigger teams in this conference, or Virginia. This is their World Series, or this is their Super Bowl. Right. You're going to come in there, especially us rivalry type things from back in the Big East. Right. And I mean, I didn't even think about that to be it, honest. Yeah. So their fans know us. Their fans don't like us, especially since both teams have been in the ACC. Louisville's owned them. That was the first time Pittsburgh had beaten Louisville since they both had been in the ACC. Right. And it definitely showed that they were pumped. One because they just that's their first win in 24 games in the ACC or their last 24 games in the ACC, and they just beat a team that they hadn't beaten the whole time they've been in the ACC. Right. So. I say all that to talk about our game now. North Carolina comes in with a record of uh, was 12, and 12, 12 and three, three losses to Texas, <clears throat> which just like we were just speaking about, it's not just in the ACC, it's every team. That was Texas's Super Bowl because Texas has not looked good since then. Yeah, it was a tournament too. Yeah. But it was at a neutral site. All that being said, you still got to go out and beat that team. Absolutely. And – and if we would have won that, by the way, we would have then played Michigan State, which you guys beat Michigan State. We did. So that would have been very fun for me to see. Instead, because we lost to them, we got to play UCLA, which nothing against UCLA. I think UCLA was ranked 17th, 17th at that yeah. time. But they were not a deserving 17. In my no. Book. I mean, they look, they look terrible, to be honest yeah. with you. Like, I, it's, it's tough to watch them. And it makes no chemistry yeah, whatsoever. It, it makes me wish that Moses Brown maybe waited a little bit because – we were very high on Moses Brown, and Moses Brown was very high on us. Right. I would love to have that dude in this offense. I mean, because he plays the kind of inside-out basketball that Mac likes to play. Right. He plays hard. He plays pretty much the whole game for UCLA. He's a little bit soft if there's one critique, um, but the player I would compare him to is a Anthony Davis type of college player. Long, athletic, gets up and down fairly well. But elite size. And like, I think his shooting's better where Davis's defense was, was better. Well, that's, and that's, once Davis got into the league, yeah. now he's extended that range out. So Moses can do the same thing. I've not been overly impressed with Moses' uh, shooting stroke, but um, it doesn't look bad. Yeah. So you move from Texas, you go play UCLA, like you said, then you go on the road at Michigan, which still blows my mind that Michigan's not number one. Uh, I'm, that's a talk for another time, but go to Michigan – uh, you, second half blowout like you like you, you and I were talking about there, and uh, get beat by 17 on the road. Then you go uh, win a couple games, win a big game against Gonzaga at home, mm-hmm. uh, right after Gonzaga beat Duke. And uh, it's funny because you go from that game where it's high, high, high after beating Gonzaga, and then 
played neutral site game against Kentucky, and it's like, where's the team from the other day? Yeah, Jekyll and Hyde again, too. It's funny we mentioned that last year with a couple of teams that we were looking at, um, but they didn't have anything for Kentucky. We didn't get to watch that whole game, actually, or live. We didn't get to watch it. I went home and watched it after, and it was pretty tough to watch as a North Carolina fan because nothing that we do on a regular basis was done in that game. And that's that's what I feel like has been – has that that Kentucky has turned into since Quad A Green is gone because now you have those guards that are just going to pressure you all the time. Right. With Quigley and, and Hagens, I mean, they literally just get in your point guard and it makes it tough for your offense to get set up. Yeah, I think if you have a um, a, a seasoned point guard, that will be key against Kentucky, somebody who's going to lead the troops a little bit. Um, they don't have a – they've got good size, but they don't have elite size, but – Credit to Kentucky. They beat us flat out. But yeah. if we would have played a better game, it would have been interesting to see. Yeah. So, since then, you've won four straight. Davidson, Harvard, uh, at Pittsburgh by 25, and uh, at an NC State, which you and I were just talking about, that's a good win. At number 15, NC State, that's, like I said, one to me, if I'm rating the toughest places to play in the ACC, I'd say it's the top five places that, to play. I would put you guys and Duke up there. Yeah, probably Duke one, Cameron Cameron under probably one. Have to be. Uh, probably Virginia number three. I would say, maybe the Carrier Dome in that one. Right. Because Carrier Dome, not necessarily just because they're they're fans. Virginia Tech's another one that's tough to play at too. That's the thing about the ACC, man. You go up and down these this uh, the ACC, man. There's not really any place that's easy to play in the ACC. No, even a Notre Dame who isn't very good yeah. this year. I'm not trying to travel to Notre Dame. Miami that we talked about, a lot of distractions in Miami. You got Georgia Tech in the heart of Atlanta. Um, there's a lot of good teams, but no matter what, there's a lot of interesting stylistic matchups too. That plays into yeah. traveling as well too. So to give someone credit like that in NC State saying that they're a top five toughest places to play in the ACC that's not going lightly which goes into saying I, that was a good win for North Carolina even though North Carolina being North Carolina State normally wouldn't be looked at as a good win right. or a big win I guess you would say I think what you're trying to say is you're hoping that what happened after Gonzaga with us with Kentucky is what you're hoping happens now so took, took the words right out of my <laughs> mouth I mean who knows it, it definitely wouldn't upset me uh I got to give BJ some credit because we were talking. Uh, I mean, I got here what six forty-five. Yeah. We sat here and talked for an hour, just which happens every time that we record an episode. By the way, most everybody else, it's like, hey, I give them a breakdown. Hey, this is how I'm going to start it. We'll do this. We'll, me and him sit here, and I'm like, hey, I'll do it. And then we end up talking about forty different things, and I look up, and it's eight o'clock. <laughs> Sometimes we get a little bit off yeah. the beaten path. But, yeah, I like to have a game plan coming into it. And it's fun to get to catch up on everything, too. It's like you texted me the other day and said, hey, tomorrow we'll be enemies, but right now we're still on the same page. And then after the game we'll be on the same page. So for that two and a half hours, whatever it may be, um, may the best man win. But it's always fun to catch up. Absolutely. So I I said that to to give BJ credit because I'm looking at, you know, the ESPN game tracker page or game cast page and – it gives UNC an 87.4% chance to win. I'm not, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not real high on this game for Louisville, but I'm not going to have a friend that's a big North Carolina fan and not do a preview for the game. Uh, I said, so did you see the spread came out today? He was like, no, did it? Uh, he's like, for our, for our game? I was like, yeah. So you didn't see it? He was like, no. And he was like, well, 
And he broke it down, and he was like, well, you guys coming off a loss to Pittsburgh, us winning at North Carolina State, I'm going to guess it's around 12. For those of you keeping track at home, the spread was 12. I said, I don't know how you just did that, <laughs> but yes, that's what the spread was. And he was like, I almost said 12 and a half. I said, well, I'm glad you didn't because you got it right on the head. And I get I was, lucky every once in a while. Yeah, I was like, I don't know how you just did that, but you're like Rain Man over here. I was, I, it was like, I'm looking over at BJ, and he looks like Zach Galifianakis on The Hangover or all those like equations are above his head. <laughs> he's, he's counting cards or something. So – um, I always something that I always like to bring up though. I was actually talking. I told you one of the contractors at uh, at Mercer called me today because he's a big North Carolina fan. And uh, shout out to shout out to Sheldon if he listens to this episode. I'll make sure I send it to him so he can so he can get a shout out in here. Uh, Fellow Tar Heel. Yeah, Sheldon Sheldon and Nick. Uh, they call me. They're both North Carolina guys. Live down in North Carolina. Uh, he calls me. First thing he says, Louisville sucks. Dirty Bird's about to get that work tomorrow. I was like, geez, man, it's good to talk to you too. So I always got to bring up my very first Louisville game I ever got to go to. Okay. And I still remember. It's weird because I was telling somebody about it today, and it's like, it's weird that you remember the whole thing about it. I'm like, you remember the first games of your favorite team that you got to go to. You remember weird things. This team that North Carolina had was ranked in the top – 10 I believe they were in the top five I'm wanting to say number two I'm not exactly positive about that because I didn't get to watch it on TV that was before DVR so I didn't get to record it you had to record it with a VCR back then but Ed Coda Joe Forte Jason Capel Chris Lang Brendan Haywood right after Dean Smith retires we played in Freedom Hall December 23rd 1999 wow yeah so I mean, Louisville had players like Tony Williams, Nate Johnson, Marcus Maven. Not a a lot of big names as far as Louisville history goes. Uh, Marcus Maven's a pretty bigger name. Tony Williams is is pretty big because they're both legend. Yeah, and Louisville just gave them that work, man. Ninety-seven to eighty. I will never forget that score because at that time, when I was a kid, we've talked about this a whole bunch, man. When I was a kid, I was the biggest Jordan fan you'll ever meet. Like, you think I'm a LeBron James fan. Like, I would fight people when they would talk about Michael Jordan when I was a kid. Yeah, that was our era. Yeah, and I knew weird facts about him and stuff. And he had his own website back then, michaeljordan.com. And you could write him a letter, and he would read three letters a month. Right. I wrote him a letter on there. He's like, hey, I'm going to my first Louisville game. They're playing North Carolina. It'd be great if you showed up. I never got a response, Michael Jordan, by the way. I'm still waiting on that response. That was 20 years ago now. I wouldn't hold your breath. I don't think Mike's too into that these days. Yeah, 20 years ago, Michael Jordan, I'm still waiting on my response. (laughs) I I I put a lot of work into that. you got to think, man, that's that's an 11-year-old kid putting a lot of work into an email when he didn't even know what a computer was. Well, and even somebody should have just taken the – the initiative and going ahead and write it because like I remember doing that to Ken Griffey Jr. when I was a younger kid when he was playing for Seattle and they sent me one back with like a postcard and then he just had an autograph on it it was the coolest thing ever you know as a kid was that a stamp autograph or a real autograph I you know that's been a while but I think it was a real autograph I don't have it still to this day Um, but it was it was very memorable anyway when I got it back thinking that he wrote me a letter it was pretty awesome 
that's the difference between someone like Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> and Michael Jordan. Well, I still love Michael Jordan, I do, but you can agree with me on this. Ken Griffey Jr. made our era love baseball. Big time. Like, there's no one that – I. he's one of the most influential sports players of our lifetime, I would think, because you think how many kids of our age only played baseball and wore their hat backwards because of Ken Griffey Jr. I was going to say, for me, it's like the Unbe- Iverson of baseball. His on-court – or yeah. his on-field – not court – his on-field swagger, his um, off-field demeanor. He was a very approachable person. Uh, lefty, which, you know, not that you don't see lefties that often, but just some people related to that more in the prettiest swing, oh in my, my opinion, in the world. I, I, I don't – there's not too many people out there that wouldn't agree with you that Ken Griffey Jr. has the prettiest swing of all time. Yeah. I mean, same thing same thing every time. Sure. And he's got a logo after the ending of his swing. You, there's – I don't know, man. It, that could be a podcast for another time, but I don't know if there is a person in our lifetime. I'm not saying that there's not been one ever right. in our lifetime that affected a, a, an era so much towards one sport. Right. I hate baseball now this time, if yeah. I'm being honest. Because there's not a King Griffey Jr. in it. Yeah. If there was a – like, I wish that there was somebody like that. It just doesn't seem like there is anymore. Right. And that's because there's better sports out there like basketball or football. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe we just realized it. But uh, Well, and I was going to bring this up to getting back to our point with the North Carolina. You talking about your first time ever seeing them. We mentioned this earlier, but they've played each other, North Carolina and UofL, 17 times. UofL fans aren't going to like me for this, but thankfully North Carolina has won 13 of those games. The thing to me, though, that stands out is a lot of those games have been really, really close games. Overall, the point differential is at like five and a half, six points overall. Like so, the total? To, uh, it's percentage-wise, so it's, yes. But it's... Um, I still remember the two biggest blowouts. Last year was the biggest blowout, probably. And then... Uh, I think so. Did they show the score of the game in 95-96? I actually don't have breakdowns for every game. It's just the overall point differential is five and a half, which to me, like I said, to have 13 wins and four losses, games within six points usually are fun to watch. Typically that's going to come down to a last-second shot or some type of last-second play that will make that. Um, Sometimes it's kind of those you know garbage-minute games, but six points is six points. Yeah. I mean, I still remember back in the day – I believe it was 96. Okay. It was either 96 or 97. I'm looking it up right now. Uh, we played you guys in the tournament. And uh, you guys just gave us that work. I mean, that was when you all had Serge Swicker and uh, Vince Carter and Anton Jameson. And, yeah, it was. It was a pretty decent team. Yeah, it was It was a squad. And that's something I, I, that I bring up a lot is just think if the the team before that would have stayed one more year. Right. That's that's scary to think about because then you got a team of Sheed, Stackhouse, Jameson. Uh, you're, you're starting fives probably Sheed, Carter, Jameson, uh, Stackhouse, and then some a point guard like uh, me or you. It doesn't matter. <laughs> at, that point, at that point, it doesn't really matter because that team would have been probably one through – four players at one time in a lineup. I'm not sure we would have seen a better lineup at that point. Yeah, those are some elite players. Yeah, and um, I think I found it here. It was I think it was 97, actually. Okay. Uh, yeah, 97. 97 to 74. 
It was in uh, the Elite Eight in Syracuse. So I still remember that game. I don't know why I remember it, but I just remember because I mean we had a decent little run there. Louisville was a six seed, beat UMass, beat New Mexico, beat Texas, and then lost North Carolina in the Elite Eight okay. as a six seed. So I mean, I was kind of surprised that we had only played seventeen times. I guess it makes sense with us just you know recently both of us joining the ACC or you know you all coming into the ACC, but still seventeen times is really not that many. Especially when you think about really most of our games have been in the past three four years. We played twice a lot recently, which is yeah. for the ACC. You know, those have been games that I've kind of highlighted. I believe the first local. year we were in the ACC, we played three times. Really? Well, if we, I mean, we've got the potential to play four times in a season, really, because if we both make the NCAA tournament, we can yeah. play there, and then ACC tournament, and then twice in the regular schedule, one home, one away. So because we played that home and home, that was the game we were just talking about, right? Um, and then. We split those, and then we played in the ACC tournament because we didn't win our first ACC tournament game till last two years ago, I believe it was. We yeah we we went there and just go uh, because we'd get a double by or a bye, and at that point we were just we were just like okay it doesn't really matter. I feel like ACC teams too come to play in that tournament. The younger or the um, teams with a chip on their shoulder, not necessarily the younger, the lower seeded. I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah. A lot of the um, higher seeded teams sometimes rest their players, but it always seems like there's a little bit of controversy in it. Yeah, it it, it was like that in the Big East with us too. Because yep. you think back to the that Syracuse run. Yeah. Or the Connecticut run. The you Connecticut run it. that put them into the tournament, and then they won the title. <laughs> right. And it's like. Bro, they played all four days of that Big East tournament and then went to the tournament and just, yeah, we're on fire right now. We're going to beat everybody still. And Louisville, long games, yeah. Louisville beat them by 33 the last time they played them. Wow. And that was the year. I don't even want to talk about what happened in Louisville in the tournament <laughs> that year. But, yeah, that should have been another title for Louisville, which would have been taken away. But um, So, some of who, – who for North Carolina would you say is – I guess for people that haven't really watched you guys, maybe outside of the Kentucky game, and I'm not going to say Luke May. Um, I mean, Luke May's definitely the a name that a lot of people will remember. Uh, Cameron Johnson's another one to remember because he played at Pittsburgh and then transferred to you guys, correct? Correct. So, I mean, that's a name that we're going to remember from both of there. Uh, but who who would you say is, like we were saying with Ashton Higgins, is the guy that makes you all go that is – when you guys are playing well, he's the guy that's doing it. We're one of those teams that has had multiple different players do it all year. Exactly like you said, Luke May and Cam Johnson are kind of our featured players. Um, last game at NC State, Cam Johnson went down. I about had a heart attack, but luckily they're saying it was only cramps. I thought he had another knee injury, which is going to be brutal for our season. But I'd say the guy who needs to step up, there's two of them that I'll highlight here. First of all, Nasir Little has had a questionable season at best. Um, coming, I mean, kind of been in the doghouse. Big time. Well, and Roy Williams, I'd say, has been in the doghouse more because of his playing time. Um, coming into the season, he had a great summer. Um, kind of one of those guys who was featured on a lot of ESPN things, looking like he was going to be the guy. And then who stole the show from him was another freshman, Colby White. Um, in that loss to Texas, I think Colby White had about 33, somewhere around there. Um, now, Colby can win us some games, and he can lose us some games as well, too. Defensively, he's not a Higgins type of player for all the local fans. 
Um, but offensively, he's one of the best in the country. So I think Colby White, if you all do try to extend the defense a little bit, um, he's going to have to shoot around that. Hopefully he has a great game, and if he does, I like our chances at that point. By the way, all, first team all here team. I mean, well, he's, he's got he's to slip down now, so he doesn't have the fro flowing like he did. Um, but I think it looks even better at that point. Makes him a little bit more aerodynamic. He's got to bring this. He's got to bring the zero from Hole's hair back. He's got to. <laughs> he's got to bring it back. The 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 uh, gym class heroes lead singer hair. Bring it. Right. Bring it back. It's. I, I don't know. I'm I'm a sucker for the fro because I mean. You're looking up top. I'm not. I don't have it. <laughs> grow it if you have it. It's, it's my. It's my motto. If you got it, grow it and flaunt it. Right. Colby's averaging about 15 a game too, so he's played consistent. But like I said, think about it. Averaging 15 a game with a 33 point outing. You know he's not shown up for some games. Defensively, he's a liability on um, some occasion. Shoots well from the free throw line. Um, and then turnovers, you know, we, we really don't – he's not a true point guard. He's a scoring guard. Even though he played point guard in high school, he's the all-time leading scorer in North Carolina high school history. So that's kind of what his game is at that point. A lot of players that are good come out of North Carolina. Yeah, big time. Uh, just one we just mentioned, <laughs> uh, Michael Jordan come out of that – come out of there. John Wall's out of there. Right. Uh, his teammate – I can't remember his teammate that went to NC State and was from that, that – was a solid recruit as well, big man. Um, Doran, huh? Was it Doran? Maybe he went to he went to NC State as a big man, kind of long. Uh, was just a year behind John Wall. Okay, but I mean, oh okay, never mind. I thought you were saying currently. Oh no, he was he was uh, yeah, like right after John Wall. Uh, as a team, I think. I mean, as a team, you all shoot seventy five percent from a free throw line, right? Which is solid for a team, especially a team with. I mean, you guys play a lot of players. Yeah, which I don't think that's – I mean, that's how Roy kind of is. Roy's always done that. I, I think, you know, there's a couple of guys who maybe – you know, Playtech hasn't impressed me a ton. Um, Huffman hasn't impressed me a ton. Um, guys like that, I kind of wonder about giving them minutes, even all the way up to um, – I mean, you have ten players that average ten minutes or more. Right. And, I mean, it's a lot. Most, especially in college, because you see that more in NBA because you play a lot of rotations in the NBA with playing more minutes and right. 82 games on the. This is your, what, 32 games, 30, 32 ish games? Depending on how far and, you go. Yeah. And I mean, you got, I mean, you've played 14, 15 games so far. You got ten guys averaging ten minutes or more. That's a lot. Which we have had some injuries. I mean, but with that being said, yeah, I don't think many teams in the country play that many, and it's not because we've really wanted to either, to be honest. Yeah. So, uh, keys I think for Louisville in this, trying to control the the backboard. Right. Uh, that's been a big thing for for Louisville because they really truly have two big men that play a lot and Stephen Enoch and Malik Williams which puts us at a big disadvantage with a team like like you guys because you have a player that in Luke May that can take our big men out and then get them in foul trouble and it's this to me like I don't know if Louisville was looking ahead like I don't want to try to take away from what Pittsburgh did but like I, I'm not looking at this game as with as red glasses as I did last year before this game, like this, 
nothing about this game right now tells me that Louisville is going to go into Chapel Hill and win. Well, and sometimes those are the games that end up yeah. the best for a team at that point. I'm with you on the rebounding, too. I think that's going to be very important. The only thing is this year, even though across the board we have size, we really don't have a true center. I mean, we've got Garrison Brooks who's playing there who's on a good day, 6'9". I think he's more 6'7", 6'8"-ish. Luke May's around that same. Cam Johnson's around that same height. And then we go Kenny Williams and Colby White who are both, you know, 6'3 to 6'5". Five range. Yeah. So we do have decent size overall. I think we're averaging about 14 offensive rebounds per game. We miss a lot of shots, so therefore we're going to have the opportunity to get a lot of rebounds too. I don't think we'll be featuring defenses on this game either. No. So it, that's what we were talking about. It might be a fun game to watch because it could be a very high-scoring game too. Yeah, but the thing is, though, is you guys average 10 more points than we do. So – well, and, and you guys laughed at me when we were talking about this at our buddy's birthday party, but I was saying even to our good buddy Greg Belden, that to me the magic number for North Carolina this year is 75 points on the games. Now, granted, the Texas game, that's the one that we lost scoring above that, but if North Carolina scores above 75 points, if they have below 17 turnovers, I like our chances. And isn't it terrible to say that high of a turnover margin? Because you, oh you being a basketball purist like myself – to say if we have below 17 turnovers, that's a, that's a good sign. That's right. terrible ball control. Big time. It's I mean, it's terrible ball control. Louisville averages 12 turnovers a game. North Carolina averages 14. And we just had 23 against North Carolina State. Roy Williams was jokingly saying it, but he said he's seeing turnovers in his sleep currently. That's it's, how bad we're looking, yeah. It's – yeah, it's – um, it's it, it it's terrible, man. It's there's. I, I told myself before the season started, Brandon, don't get too high or too low on this team because you know that they're going to take bumps. Yeah. Michigan State. I was like, yeah, we're going to the Final Four. Like, not really, but your mind can't help but wander like that. Of course. You guys beat Gonzaga. You're like, heck yeah. Then you lose to Kentucky, and you're like. <laughs> What the heck? You guys look like you never played basketball before. Right, the highs and lows of a college season. It's and with Louisville, I mean, we have talent on this roster, but there's a lot of stuff that was pieced together with this. Right. I don't want it to make it. I don't want to make it sound like I'm making excuses because I'm not. Because right, this team definitely, this definitely team definitely has talent, yep. and this team this team definitely has more talent than what I think they gave them credit for before the season. I think this team is a lot better than 12th in the ACC, and I. But that also shows you how good the ACC is this year, yeah. in my opinion, too. There's a lot of – I mean, we haven't even talked about Florida State when we were mentioning those yeah. other teams. That's another team that's an elite team in the country. So that's not a knock on you all as much yeah. as credit to the ACC. I'd agree, though. They, they do look like they should be much better than 12. I don't think you all have elite talent. And I think no. the other thing – is um, you'll have good talent, not elite talent, but there's also a lot of new pieces in there, new yes. coaches, new players, new systems, just a lot of new things that go into uh, and success. With those things, compounds on when the coach gets there. Right. Mac had a good run last year with Xavier. Right. With Xavier, I don't, I don't, I want to make sure people didn't say no or didn't think I said Xavier because it's not Xavier. Xavier. <laughs> So he was late. He was late making the decision and then getting to Louisville. It's less time to really work because there's also restrictions on how long you can have, how long you can practice, who can practice with them, stuff like that. And then you know it take, took a little bit of time to get some assistant coaches as well. So 
Well, I think he dove right into the recruiting trail as well, too, because yeah. he knew, you know, not, not that there was a black dot next to Louisville, but there was a lot of media that was not making it easy for well, UFL coaches. And, and, and we had a lot of people decommit. I mean, right. you had Courtney Ramey, who's at Texas, right. that decommitted. Uh, uh, your boy plays for the Blazers now. Uh, the one that ended up actually skipping college and going straight to the NBA. Uh, he's been playing a little bit for the Blazers. Uh, I don't. I still don't understand how he got that. Uh, I can't think of his name. I can see his face, man, but I can't think of his name. Uh, I can't think either. He was committed to us. I mean, we had a solid class before that FBI stuff came out. Um, and, yeah, that hurts. And it just it sucked everything out of it. So then, then you go back on the recruiting trail, and you're like, well, we're not even recruiting. Uh, we're not even recruiting Courtney Ramey, and now we are again. It's like, all right, it's. What does he want to come here again? So then he visits, and then he ends up going to Texas, and it was a, it was a roller coaster ride. Then you're missing on some of these, uh, you're missing on some of these uh, grad transfers, like the kid that went to Miami, Zach Johnson. Right. Zach Johnson was one I thought Louisville would get, but he just wanted to stay home. I don't blame him. Well, but think about it. No matter what, anytime you have a coaching change, you know you're you're going to lose or at least have a chance of losing some players. Then you have you know the excess stuff that was going on. I get it. I mean, from the player perspective, I, I would have hoped that they would have still stayed there, but that's that's their decision, and I can't fault them for that. Oh no, I don't. I don't blame any of the players for doing that. Um, but it sucked. Uh, Anthony Simons. That was the kid that Simmons. was. It's, I think Simons. It, yeah, it's, it's Simons. He was committed to us, and he blew up. Um, IMG Academy didn't he go to IMG? He might have. I'm not. I don't. I don't remember for sure. But I just know that he blew up in the summer, and they were like, "Well, uh, there's a good chance he may go to the NBA." Yeah, he went to IMG, uh, and he put his name in the draft and somehow got drafted. And I was like, "All right, I don't really know what the rule is anymore, but all right." Would have been nice to have him on this roster this year. Well, it had to have been the age thing because I think he's 19. Yeah. But that would have been a huge help. I mean, anybody who gets drafted into the NBA obviously could make first, a difference. First round out of high school. So, coming into this game, I think if Louisville is going to go to Chapel Hill and pull the upset, big thing. Don't turn the ball over. Right. You can't have a slow start. And Jordan Noir can't go two for 14. If Jordan Warren goes two for fourteen again, you all will beat us by thirty. That's we cannot. Louisville cannot win when Jordan Warren. I mean, we almost beat Pittsburgh, but you all beat Pittsburgh by twenty-five. We almost beat Pittsburgh with Jordan Warren doing that, but we also turned the ball over a ridiculous amount of times in, the, in that game. Right. So that's not something. That's the thing that Louisville has to do is take care of the ball and. Mars just gonna have to show up. He's gonna have to hit shots that some players can't hit. He's just gonna have to do it. Well, I think the other thing too is, like I said, defensively we don't have a great team. We do play hard. Kenny Williams is probably our focal point of our defense. With that being said, um, you got to ride the highs and lows, kind of like we were talking about for the overall season. We're gonna go on spurts where we're gonna score nine straight, six straight, seven straight. If you all tuck your head and put it between your legs. I mean, you might as well kiss your rear and goodbye at that point. That, that is one thing I do feel like this team does have is heart. Yeah. I don't feel like this team ever gives up. I mean, that showed in this game. It showed in the Miami game. This Pittsburgh game, they were down 16 points with about 12 minutes left, cut it to three, 
had the two to three range for about, I don't know, four or five minutes. Pittsburgh pulled back away, got back up 13. Right. I texted my buddy and said, well, we're about to go ahead and end this streak for them. And lo and behold, they get it to overtime. And with McMahon missing those two threes, too, that was clutch shots. The, one the thing first was, shot was a good shot, but the second one was a terrible shot. I think it was a get-back shot. He wanted the first one, missed the first one, goes, all right, I'm going to get it back on this one. Yeah, it's like you head fake there. You take a couple dribbles in, you're probably pulling in and getting Inside-out threes are way better than a shot of one that's just coming off of a rebound. That zone gave you a little bit of problem at the Absolutely. end there, too. But I would have liked to see the ball go in and then go inside-out or get an easy bucket inside. I mean, what, what's Enoch's height? 6'11", 6'10", 6'11". Their yeah. Pitt's tallest player on the court at that point was, what, 6'6"? Probably somewhere around there. That so, was that Vaughn, I think his name was. He was, but he, That's the thing is he was killing. Yeah. He was killing us. Yeah. I, I was like, who is this dude? Like, uh, I, just, I mean, what was his name? Uh, it wasn't Brown. I mean, they they had a – I guess it was Johnson. I don't know, but they had a they had a big man that literally I felt like he hit everything. And two guards that just absolutely killed us. And then we go to that 1-3-1 one, one zone, and it gave them fits. Right. And then we just mysteriously went away from it. I like different looks like that, though. I've always said that I like going to a two or three possessions in a row. We kind of talked about this the last high school game that we were at because I think it throws you for a loop, and then you know the coach is going to have to call a timeout and make an adjustment, so it's kind of a play like that. But I'm with you. There wasn't anything that showed me that you need to come out of it at that point. And I caught the tail end of the game, too, so – I didn't see the earlier parts of the first half, but still. Well, see, that's that was what made me make that point because I'm a, I'm 100 with you. Um, the first time we brought that out was against Tennessee. Okay. And Tennessee, you could tell, was starting to figure it out. Yeah. They were hitting corners, hitting middle corner, and, and Tennessee's and, a good team too. Tennessee's solid. Yeah. And and balanced. Yes, and they figured it out. Pittsburgh showed zero signs of them figuring it out. We threw that one three one zone on them at, at the end of the game and came back and put it in overtime. Right. I don't know why we went away from it because Johnson was killing us. Johnson was literally catching a screen at the top, hesitating, going straight to the middle, either shooting a floater, shooting a mid-range jump shot, or kicking it for a three. And it felt like they were hitting everything. They shot 45% from the three-point line. A lot of open looks, it looked like. Yes. Too. I mean, they were 9 of 20. It felt like they were about 14 of – 20. I just felt Looking like they like the Spurs it, last night. Yeah. <laughs> it was just nuts, by the way. We were talking about that. The Spurs hit their first 14 threes of the game last night. 16 for 19 that on is, a game. That is nuts. <laughs> well, and the thing was, I realized they said too after TNT was talking about it, they're the uh, best shooting three-point team um, in the NBA this year, but they shoot the least amount of threes per game, which is amazing. You know, you would think like a Golden State would be a higher percentage. No, it's San Antonio Spurs. I know uh, they said Steph's percentage is down a lot this year, and that may be because of injuries or being Lately, you yeah. know being nicked up and stuff. There was there was one point I can't remember who it was. It was somebody you would never think. But it said that he had a better three-point shooting percentage than Steph Curry, and I, I just remember laughing. I can't remember who it was. It was somebody, like, ridiculous. I saw all. the Facebook post on it, but yeah. <laughs> it was like, who would ever thought that he had a better three-point percentage than Clay Thompson and Steph Curry or something? Right. Well, the Spurs take good threes. That's an amazing yeah. thing. Bellinelli, Patty Mills, even Bear Towns, or however you – I don't want to mispronounce his name, but 
they were getting some good looks. I mean, that team is uh, – that's something that San Antonio has always been. They're always just a consistent team that has a solid inside guy right. with good shooters that don't really make bad mistakes, and that's why they've always been good. Right. Since Popovich Pop's does not like the three ball either. I mean, he's made that very clear, um, but he knows he has to use it. Yeah. So um, – this game, like I told you, I, I'm not feeling real confident about Louisville going into Chapel Hill and winning. Um, you taking the over or the under? I mean, in theory, obviously you're wanting the, your UFL. You're win. talking about the 12 point spread, right? You got to take the under. I, I'd say it's I'd say it's eight to 12, so I'll go under just to, just to say. But it, I mean, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a really tough game. Will I be ecstatic if they win? Hell yes, I will be. Yeah, and. I'll be the first one to admit I'm wrong because I'm never upset admitting I'm wrong in something like this. Well, and I mentioned to you, I think this game is going to be a big – you all are going to come out with a vengeance after that Pittsburgh game. Uh, Chris Mack mentioned something recently. We were talking about they play hard, but I think there's a difference between grittiness and playing hard. they got to play a little bit more physical. The game doesn't really allow that as yeah. much. In North Carolina, they'll probably call it a little tighter on you all as well too, if I'm being honest. Um, but I think you guys are going to have to have somebody do the dirty work and get those boards like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. So, what would you say with you on the spread there? What are you calling that? Well, and that's the funny thing. When we were talking about it earlier, part of the wheels turning for me was what I, you know, what my opinion was. And so I liked that 12. When, when you agree with me, I thought, you know what, that kind of makes a lot of sense. Um, biased involved, I'd take the over, and I'd say 16 is what I'd say. But that that 12, to me, you know, Vegas isn't always wrong. Um, they're usually pretty close, and I yeah. don't know how they do it. Yeah, I really don't know how they do it because they're time machines. More, Definitely yeah, time machines. More often, yeah, they got Biff Tannen just working for them there. There's so this weekend is also. Uh, was a divisional round weekend for the NFL. Yes, sir. Um, local flavor here a little bit. Neither one of us are, fl- are fans of them. No, but uh, we got a lot of friends who yeah. are as well, too. I, I don't dislike them as much as I used to because Peyton Manning's not there anymore. Sorry if anybody's a Peyton Manning fan that listens to this. Well, I, can't, I can't stand him. <laughs> and possibly one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now. They've yeah. been playing I mean, really you can, they're, well they're, as of late. tough to disagree with that. It yeah. really is. Uh, they play Kansas City at Kansas City tomorrow at 435. Be interesting to see what that little break for Kansas City did because I always felt like they were uh, on a roll earlier, and then once they hit that buy, you know they I mean, didn't slow down. I don't even really know if it was the buy, man. I I think it's the Cream Hunt thing. Yeah, you look that, at that hurts when that Cream Hunt thing happened. It changed that team's morale totally, and when you well, have morale some, and dynamics. Yeah. I mean, think about it. As far as what play options you can run. I don't know. Those those dump downs, um, you know, watching the Chargers do that a couple of times makes me realize how important that was. Even you watch, you know, a Pittsburgh team or even watch, you know, Lamar at uh, Baltimore. Baltimore. That's an important – even Drew Brees, how quickly you get that ball out. If they're going to blitz you, that's a great option. Yeah, and it just seems like since then – this team's this team hasn't looked good other than the game that they beat Baltimore. But they're still winning too. That's a well. That's the thing. Their, their most of their losses have come since they since he's been gone. Right. I know they held on to keep the one seed, but if you go, they had the loss to us early in the season, forty three to forty. Right. That was in New England. 
and then which they, was a great game, uh, and then the maybe other, the game of the year. That game was so good. Yeah, and then the, they lost to the Rams, fifty-four to fifty-one, which is another great game. It was actually that one might have been the game of the year. That Probably. game was that game was phenomenal. I was at Cluckers when getting to see some of that, and that was a very fun game to watch. No defense being yeah, played. And then they barely beat the Raiders in Oakland or wherever they're at now. But, Hell, I don't know where wherever Gruden is taking that dump of a team right now. Then they they come back and beat the Ravens, which was a good win because that was when the Ra- that's the only loss until Lamar lost last week that he had as a starter. Right. And lose to the Chargers, lose to the Seahawks, and then drum the Raiders, which like I said isn't anything. No, so I'm present. Half of their losses came in the last four games. Yeah, that's a good point. And. That's really when the when they lost Kareem Hunt and their defense all season. I don't think you're really arguing with this. It's not been there. No, Our defense is pretty much non-existent. Well, think about those scores you just said too. Can you really have a defense? You know, the whole bend but don't break mentality. That's one thing. But were you getting fifty burgers put on? Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean I, it's their defense gives up twenty six point three points. But they also score thirty five point three. Right, which is so, first and twenty fourth. Yeah, so and that's it's not good. No, and you go against maybe the least talked about player that I feel like could, should kind of be in the MVP race for what he's done for this Indianapolis team that wasn't projected to do anything. Well, he didn't even make the Pro Bowl, did he? I mean, he, I don't. It, that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, Andrew Andrew Luck is very very overlooked right now. Yeah. Uh, not to sleep on what Mahomes has done or Gurley or any of the other Breeze or any of the other guys that are in the MVP conversation, but if you really take a look at what the trophy is actually called, the most valuable player, you take him off that. You team take. They're awful. Said it's not the same quarterback. No, they're they're no they're not even sniffing the playoffs if he's not there and that's shown the past couple of years with that being said though their defense has played surprisingly well when you hold a team to zero points and a playoff team now cowboys don't have the most elite offense in the world um but when you hold them to zero points that's impressive to me yeah i mean their defense is 10th as far as points points against 21.5 right which goes to show you think about that's five points that makes a difference of fourteen spots. That's, right. That maybe maybe Casey's the uh, Casey. I guess is like you were saying that bend don't break type thing. Um, but I mean they're also scoring twenty seven point one. And yeah, I mean you blank the Cowboys, you beat the Giants, you beat the Titans. They lost a. They did go score zero against the Jaguars. <laughs> but I mean they've played. And they played pretty well the whole season outside of a few games. Uh, right. That Jaguars thing was a little bit baffling to me, too, because think about it. If they win that game, that's how many in a row? What, nine or ten? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven games in a row if they win that Jaguars. So to score zero points and to lose six to zero, I bet a lot of fans were not thrilled with that. <laughs> no. So uh, I've been telling people this, and I don't. I still don't know why. Other than I'll give you a few, I'll give you a few things that I've seen. But Kansas City's defense gives up five yards a carry on average. Okay, My, well, Indianapolis does not have a great run game either. Miles Mack's been playing as well as. I mean, he killed last week, 
And again, he's yeah. one of those dump off backs, but still. Well, he doesn't even have a thousand yards on the season. Yeah, I mean, but I, I I wonder how many games or how many games he played in though, because I True. believe he's a rookie, correct? I'm not positive to be honest. Yeah, I mean Marlon Mack, not Miles Mack, Marlon Mack. I apologize. Uh, Marlon Mack is a rookie. It's out of South Florida, 195 attempts for 908 rushing yards. All right. So I mean, I I, I don't know, man. Four four point seven yards a carry, and against a team that's averaging giving up five yards a carry. I have a weird, weird feeling that the Colts are going to pull an upset tomorrow. I don't know. I, I, it's That's a big thing, and the fact that Kansas City's been struggling. Uh, Andrew Luck's kind of got a chip on his shoulder with kind of being overlooked. and Not kind of, being overlooked. Uh, They've been I, wearing around the 1-0 shirts recently that everybody's throwing a fit over to. Once you get to this time of the year, it's anybody's game. It's, I mean, it's it's one of those things, man. you got to win small battles. I mean, you, you look at uh, – my mind's going blank right now on his name, the coach for the Saints. Um, what – did you see what he – did you hear what he did? Bringing the money and the Lombardi trophy. Yeah, there's – it's mine it's mine things, man. And even if it's a T-shirt that says 1-0. Right. You know how many games you have to win to get there. Well, if you have There's, a real coach like Doug Peterson, you offer him ice cream. That's yeah, what yeah. There, which so. was such a joke, man. Yeah. <laughs> it was Pocket like, DOS. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> but hey, we got ice cream. It's like, if you guys haven't seen that, look up. It was pretty funny, but it was Classic. like, you you have, it's killing me now because I can't think of New Orleans. Sean, Sean Payton. Payton. Sean Payton comes in. If you guys didn't see either one of these stories, Great stories. I mean, Peterson's obviously proven with what he did last year. Uh, well, my only thing about Sean Payton, though, this isn't the first time he's offered a little payout to his players, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, so, man. Uh, Shots. Good thing we don't have a whole lot of Saints fans around here. But uh, I know Greg will love that because I know he's a huge fan of the Saints. Uh, but He probably likes the Bears better now. Uh, man, I don't know. I, he at least likes Cody Parkey. I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you have Sean Payton coming in with a couple of armed guards with 250 grand and a Lombardi trophy sitting on top of the money saying, you guys want this, then go win a couple effing games. Right, which is what their Super Bowl bonus is. Yeah. So, it's I mean, it's all fair and game at that point. He wasn't doing anything he shouldn't have done. I say that sarcastically, but think about it. For, you know, that's – if somebody did that to me, I'd run through a brick wall. Yeah, I mean, you bring $250,000, that's me and you, though, man. Like, you bring $250,000 in front of me and you, and like, cool, that's a cool trophy, man. That's, I'd I'm chop be, off my left foot, I yeah, think. Yeah, I'm about to be Scrooge McDuck and yeah. dive in that money, dude. I mean, so the second game of the day tomorrow, you got uh, – by the way, I'm looking at this matchup thing, the just the schedule. Yeah. We were talking about the cheap tickets for the Louisville, North Carolina game. You seen the tickets for this Kansas City and Indianapolis game? No. Twenty. They they also have the most tickets available for any of the games, at Kansas City, right? At Kansas City, twenty nine hundred sixty nine tickets available, as wow. low as fifty three bucks for a playoff game. For a divisional round playoff game, that's, that's and a team that's playing well. Like we said, we're not. They're not playing great right now, but that's a team that's been up at the top all year long. Yeah, I think, MVP candidate. Right. Great coach, Andy Reid, former uh, Eagle. Great coach. Andy Reid. Get out of here. Andy Andy Reid, the one that can't win the big one. It's 
Hey, that's yet to be determined for this year. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. I, I don't know why. I just have a weird feeling. And I'll and just like I said, I admit, I'll admit if I'm right or if I'm wrong tomorrow. If Louisville wins, I'll admit if I'm wrong tomorrow. If Indianapolis loses, I'm with you though. There's something in the air that makes it feel like the Colts are going to come out and win this game. I do think it'll be a close game. I don't think it'll be as high scoring as what a lot of people are projecting. With that being said, that's why you played the game because nothing's guaranteed. Absolutely. So the next game is Dallas and uh, the Dallas Cowboys against the Los Angeles Rams. The battle of the of two of the better running backs, especially in the NFC, maybe in the NFL. All right. Um, Gurley and and uh, Ezekiel Elliott. This game is. I feel like going to be a, a light up scoreboard type thing too, because as good as I thought the Rams defense should have been before the season it really hasn't ever it's like they almost haven't really figured it out um they have so many great defensive players and i mean one it has to do with injuries and they give up 24 points a game uh, and they're right there behind kansas city with 32.9 points a game right um which is funny because they, like you said they've got the elite playmakers on the defensive end you look at the cowboys the cowboys don't have a ton of elite playmakers no. but yet they're ranked six in points again averaging 20 points per game against them so something's a little off on that yeah. part of it is the offensive output that the rams are putting out whereas the cowboys are like you said they're going to ground and pound it so that automatically makes those scores lower you know i never still, even thought about it that way they run in clock yeah i mean i never thought of it the ram i mean the rams have to me the best running back in the nfl yeah i would say I, tough to argue anything else. I, I would think todd Gurley's the best the best running back in the NFL. I'm, there, I guess there are arguments for some other people, but I, if you ask me, I'm picking him one as running back. Yeah, him um, and Zeke are probably 1A, 1B, maybe 1-2, yeah. however you put them. But, I mean, Kamara's the only other person, and he's not a true I mean, running I, back. I would put Johnson up there, but Johnson has a right. terrible line and just a right. terrible team around him. Right. And yeah, they looked pretty poor this year. Yeah, they were. that was bad. You kind of felt bad for the guy, but <laughs> – it's like, geez. Well, and I don't see much changing. I don't want to critique anything because I'm not super knowledgeable on it. But, you know, the, the hiring and everything involved, I don't see a lot of things How changing. How does that happen? How do you get fired from a pack or from a Big 12 team? Then you go and you take the offensive coordinator job at USC. And Which then, would have been a great job for Absolutely. Too. And then within, what, like a week or two? Or no, it was a month. They're USC. No, you're not talking to any NFL teams. Right. And they're like, well, he had wow. to quit that job to be able to talk. I'm gonna talk to him anyway. Supposedly like, they said they were high on Mahomes when he was at Texas Tech too, so they had a lot of communication with him. I I don't know much about it, but it it surprised me to say. Yeah, and then he gets an NFL job. How do you get fired from Texas Tech and then get an NFL job? Blows my mind. Right. And I wish him nothing but the best, but from the press conferences and everything I've seen, I it's like I said, I don't see that Cardinals team being And now good and now long. there's rumblings that they may take Kyler Murray with their first pick when they just picked Josh Rosen. Rosen. It's like dude, like it just seems like a disaster waiting to happen out there. Well, like not you said, s- they probably need some line. Yeah, okay. not to say that Kyler Murray's not gonna be a good NFL pro no. if he comes. Well, all five foot six of him. He yeah, might be I mean, he's deep. solid. I, 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 he's he definitely won over my respect. He's very good. Yeah, but uh, we'll. I mean, NFL's a different game. Yeah, but different game. It you just you just used a draft pick the last year to take Josh Rosen in the top ten, and then you're going to go in with your number one pick and take another quarterback the next year. Right. Doesn't really sound very logical unless you trade Josh Rosen for somebody. 
which I don't know how his value will be, but I don't think Rosen's a, a super bust. I mean, he's played one year. A lot of times when they draft that first-round pick, they're going to let him play for a little bit too. So I just think he's set up for failure currently. Yeah. So Los Angeles and Dallas, um, I, I'm going to make you say what you said before. I knew you were going to say this. Because um, – Which is the first time in my career ever, by the way. But I can't. That's what I'm saying. I can't let you say this and then you not say it on here, so it's recorded forever. Why? So uh, we got Dallas at Los Angeles. Um, I think this is when Dallas's run ends. And uh, BJ, who's a Philadelphia Eagles fan, I will counter that point with the fact that not only do I think the Cowboys have a good chance in this. But I am actually going to be cheering for the Cowboys for the first time in my career. My father will love that because he's an avid Cowboys fan. Um, but you got to understand the reason why as well, too, is because if somehow the Eagles squeak past the Saints, which is going to be an uphill battle, um, Cowboys beat us twice this year. If you look at the point differential, they beat us once by seven, once by six. The game they beat us by six, we went into overtime. They got the ball first, drove and scored a touchdown, game over at that point. How many times have you seen a team beat somebody three times in a year? Also, Eagles are a little bit different team right now than what they were at that point. Um, if the Cowboys were to play some man coverage against us, Foles is going to light them up at that point. So I think Ertz eats that game. That's putting a horse before the carriage type of stuff, yeah. but I have to defend myself when I say I'm cheering for the Cowboys. Yeah, I just, I, there's certain teams that I would never say that I wanted to win. Right. Like I would never be like, hey, I want Kentucky to win. I don't. I don't ever want Kentucky to win. So call me a hater. Call me whatever. I, yeah, I do hate them. So – that that surprised me when I, I was like I I took a double take and I was like do what you want the Cowboys to win you're like yeah because I want to play them I'm like oh my family was in town for the holidays and I actually told my dad that and he had the same look you just had on your face like did you really just say that to me <laughs> and I was hoping you know I wouldn't to see the Rams in the second round and have them play the Saints because think about it the Eagles beat the Rams or the Eagles beat the Rams and then the um, Cowboys beat the Saints so if somehow that could happen again but obviously that didn't work out that way so the next game is the one that um, drum roll please yeah it's, I can't lie, man. I'm worried about this game because I know how I, I was. Um, I've been high on this team all season because I knew how good their defense was and yeah. is. And Phillip Rivers, I've always been a fan of. I've kind of thought. I've, gunslinger. I, gunslinger. I kind of always felt like he's always been kind of just thrown to the wayside because of where he plays way out west, and no one really cares about those West Coast guys normally. 72 children. Yeah, he, he's, yeah he's, like Am <laughs> he's like an Amish guy or something, man. He just He's got one in the oven right now probably. He probably does. He probably does. And you got Melvin Gordon and uh, – they, they Allen's Keenan not a bad Allen, receiver. Yeah, they have a lot of weapons. Right. Um. Old man Gates out there. Yeah, I mean, geez, that is that dude ever going to retire? He looks pretty slow, so he might. If they do, you know what? A lot of people have actually projected them to do well in the playoffs this year. If, if they make a run, I, I don't know if we'll see him again. Oh yeah. Now I'm hoping we they don't make a run Shut in it and, and we just end it. Right. Um, we played them earlier in the season, and we didn't play too well. Right. Um, I can't remember the exact score. Let's see here. 
I thought we played the Chargers. No, no I thought we. For some, no, not for some reason I thought we played the Chargers. I guess we didn't. Um, they played well on the road this year, though. That's the thing yeah. that's been surprising. That was kind of always their knock on Rivers in the past was when he goes on the road, he wasn't playing as well. The game that I knew they were legit was when they went to Pittsburgh and beat them in Pittsburgh. I was like, okay, this team is not that bad. For some reason, I felt like we played them earlier in the season, but then it makes sense because it said that Brady is undefeated against Rivers. 7-0, and right? Yeah. So, I mean, the Chargers have always been that team to – go to the playoffs when they're projected to do well and not do it. I mean, you think back to the Marty Schottenheimer days with LT and Rivers early on, and, uh, I mean, they were just solid all the way around, losing like one or two games during the season and then not winning the game in the playoffs. A couple of years, right? Yeah, I mean, they did that two or three years. That's why Schottenheimer ended up losing his job. It's like, how do you have the best record in the NFL and then not do anything in the playoffs? But – Ask Toronto about that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I think this year it changes. I'll, I'll be honest. I think that's that's a side note that I think Toronto actually comes out of the East. It looks strong. Um, I'm I'm going to go ahead and take New England. I think it'll be a battle. I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, I think the travel will have a will have something to do with it, and I think the weather is going to have a big thing to do with it. Coming from Los Angeles, I mean New England plays in that weather a lot more often than they do, and it's, I think that's what's going to end up end up uh, pulling that win off for New England. I like it. I, I could see this one going either way. This is going to be probably, in my opinion, the most intriguing game out of all of them because it's like we said, both these teams could be perennial Super Bowl contenders. Um, but that's why we play once again. Absolutely. This was the when I saw the, how the bracket broke down in the AFC, I was not happy because I was like. We're going to have to play maybe the two hottest teams in the AFC, or two of the hottest teams in the – to be honest with you, probably the three hottest teams in the NFL are in the AFC with Indianapolis, Baltimore, and, and the Chargers because the Chargers really – they're lost to Baltimore right. at the end of the season. But other than that, I mean, they had won – they won five out of their last six. And their one loss was to Baltimore. Boy, and like we said, Baltimore was hot at that point. Yeah. I mean – even last week's game was impressive. Yeah. And That's the one thing I'd say. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can get the bye in the first round, I'd take it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not upset that, we're taking, that we got a bye, but right. when I saw the two teams that we were going to have to face, I was not very happy. Right. As Baltimore's defense had been on fire, and their defense has been good all season. So, I'm taking New England in a close one. I, I'm not going to guess the score because I'm never really good at that. But I'm going to take New England in a close one. I'll play devil's advocate then. Let's go ahead and take the Chargers. I think, like I said, this will be a good game. Not favoring either team. Um, could be interesting to see your all's running game as well as passing to your running backs because Sony Michelle and Jimmy White, as uh, our buddy Sh um, Sharpie likes to call him. Um, Jimmy, yeah. Yeah, instead of James. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, it'll be interesting. It should be a great one. So, the last game of the weekend is your Philadelphia Eagles at New Orleans. Um, I know I can speak for you and say you're definitely hoping for a different outcome than the last time these two teams played. Yeah, just by a couple points. I think about <laughs> 41, roughly, yeah. 42. Yeah. So, they played in in uh, New Orleans in, what, week about 11 or so, it looks like. That was our last loss. 48-7. Um 
So I'm going to put you on the spot here real quick. Okay. There's been a lot of talk since Foles came out last week, did what he did. Are you on the trade Wentz, keep Foles boat? I'm on neither. I'm on if it is a possibility, which I get there's not a good possibility. I personally want Foles as the starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, anytime somebody wins a Super Bowl for you, that's a key contributor to them. Um, Also, I know a lot of my friends can attest this too, but I've been a Foles advocate since his first run with the Philadelphia Eagles, well before he even retired. Um, nothing. I totally forgot about that too. By the way, yeah, Greg and all them, they'll they'll crack up because I always said Foles was my man. With that being said, I really had no reason. I said, hey, he's a six six um, coming out of Arizona. I liked his game, um, but yeah. Here's uh, here's what's crazy. Wentz is in his third year. Right. He's only three years younger than what Foles is. Right. You could potentially. I'm gonna say it. I'm on the trade wins, but I'm on the trade wins uh, boat. I mean, it's Foles has proven he can do it. Well, the reason I don't want to trade him is because think about it. We've seen what having a good backup quarterback can do for a team. But you guys so. got Nate Sudfeld as your backup. Yeah, former IU Hoosier. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I, I that's what worries me. I feel like you guys could get some. I mean, maybe a consistent running back out of that. That's what would be interesting. What's yeah. the market form? Because, you know, with his injuries, I mean, dude has a broken back is what they listed yeah. it as. So I don't know how that goes. I'd see, I'd see someone like a Jacksonville being intrigued. Maybe I'd Arizona. See, <laughs> yeah, maybe Arizona who would just get, you know, 15 quarterbacks on their roster. Right. Uh, I mean, somebody like Miami. I mean, I know Jacksonville? you Jacksonville? Uh, that's what I'm saying. Jacksonville was the first one. I like I mean, who knows, man? There's – that honey, that honeymoon. Fournette. That's what I'm saying. That honeymoon phase is over with with Jacksonville and Fournette. If They're, we get a Jai back next year, though, that changes our dynamics. Let's be honest, though. Would you rather have Fournette or a Jai? Fournette. But yeah, I, that's I'm what I'm saying. saying. Yeah. If you can get rid of Wentz well, and get Fournette back for that, and or even this is the question though to me: if you could have Wentz and have a Jai, or you can basically have both of them gone and then have Fournette. I think I'm taking Wentz and Ajayi. It's like I said, I, unfortunately I've seen what having a backup quarterback can do for you. And You're going you gonna to say I haven't? No, I mean, you, are, you definitely have. Yeah. <laughs> you, you got a guy paid, yeah. my goodness. Highest paid quarterback in the league. Twice. <laughs> they did it twice because you got to think Castle. Right. That Castle blew up off a of, – uh, one season, that dude has been a dumpster fire. Well, what was the Browns guy too? Hoyer, Hoyer, who's yeah. back, our backup again. Yep. So, and, and but you're missing, but you're missing but the big one. one either. Tom Brady, yeah, Tom Brady being a backup, six round pick. There's, I mean, so I'm not saying I disagree with you, right? But I'm saying, Replacing if you Brady, can go, uh, just go get, so. just go get Kaepernick, go get Kaepernick, okay. sign Kaepernick, and then trade Wentz. Philadelphia fans would love that. Yeah, I'm sure they would. <laughs> you guys do have a very level headed fan base. Yeah, I mean that goes that goes without saying. I mean they didn't. I mean they didn't put. Vaseline on the on the polls last year when you were in, in the Super Bowl for no reason, uh, or throw poop at the Minnesota Vikings oh, fans gosh, or whatever man. they all did, and batteries at Santa. Yeah, the, I mean they're passionate. That's what I'll say. <laughs> yeah, so. that's that's a good way to put it. Wow. Um, so I'll, I'll leave it up to you. What, what, what do you think is going to happen tomorrow? Well, I, I tell you what. Give me two things. Okay. Head and heart. Okay. Well, one one more key thing too. Um, if we are to win tomorrow, or not tomorrow, but Sunday. Yeah. 
I'm thinking Malkin Jenkins has to be the player of the game, not only on the field, but as far as in the locker room. Because if he can, I mean, obviously that's not how it went the first game. So that's where I'm a little bit hesitant. But if he can give us a little tidbits as to how they like to think over there, that would be a big deal for us. Uh, Maddox is another guy too. Maddox is interesting at the corner position because he had that almost pick, and then for the rest of the game, he was getting torched. Anybody <laughs> doesn't know Maddox, he's 29 on the Eagles. Um, could be a great player, but, man, he worries me. So you're saying you see a lot of his last name during the game? Yeah, unfortunately <laughs> you do, because he's turned around getting torched. But with that being said, um, I actually I think, you know, it, once again, you can't pick like this. You know, if I were betting – a ton of money on it I'd reconsider this but I think legitimately um, the Eagles have a shot in this I think um, we don't have a running game and so that's what kind of worries me you look at that last play of the um, or the last offensive possession of the Bears game you know Golden Tate starting to emerge Alshon Jeffrey and Nick forget, forget Golden Tate by the way that dude <laughs> killed me in fantasy football as soon as he got traded to you guys so no. keep it keep Golden Tate's name off this podcast because that dude killed me when he got he had one good game and then I started him the next week and he had two points well and there was a couple of friends one specifically Greg said you know hey I think I like this pickup for the Eagles because he's a third down player he's going to pick up those big yards on you on third down and I said I don't know if that's what we need well unfortunately I was led to believe I was correct then the last two or three games he's made some big plays yeah. we've got Aguilar out there who's got jetpack on his back lightning quick but his hands are a little suspect and then like I said we got a big receiver in Jeffries um, we've got Matthews back again too who at one point was touted as a great receiver um, yeah. tough to defend them if our offensive line is blocking so I think that's what we need to do. We need our offensive line to give Foles a little bit of time. That's also why I like Foles a little bit better than Wentz because he gets it out a little bit quicker than what Wentz does. Wentz is always trying to make the play. Um, but I'd say, you know, I'll take the Eagles 31 to 27 is what okay. I'll say. Uh, I didn't look at the spread. I have not either. I, I try not I, to win. Yeah, it's, it's kind of tough in these NFL games, but that's when I feel like Vegas is really at its best as in these NFL games. They normally get it pretty spot on. Right. Um, I think that the rust or taking time off is actually going to kind of hurt New Orleans. I hope uh, so. I think it's with them, they're a high-octane offense. Um, I don't think anyone's going to really argue with that. No. And it's, just, it's a wheel that just needs to keep rolling. Well, I'm hoping their crowd is a little bit out of it, too, because of what we said. You beat a team by 41 points. Is that crowd really going to show up? I mean, it's a playoff game, but is it going to be the usual? I, I think it will be the usual crowd. And um, I think we're going to be seeing Teddy Bridgewater dancing again after this oh, game. Oh, no. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to tell you that. I, I think we're going to see some more dancing Teddy. If Teddy gets in, that means they're you know, Oh, if Teddy really, gets in, you are yeah. screwed. So that's what I'm saying. That really is going to hurt if I see Teddy in the game. No, just Teddy. I'm talking about Teddy dancing in the locker room. No, I know that. But I'm just saying, if he does get in the game, my soul is going to be a little crushed there. I don't know. It could be one of two ways, man. That could well, be that could be a big blowout your else way or the other way. Yeah, so. I don't want it either way. <laughs> you you don't want a big blowout no, for the Eagles. I thought you were going somewhere else. I thought you were saying Breeze was going to get hurt. No. so that's why I didn't want. No, I'm saying a big hurt. blowout either way. Yeah, I get that. I do want that. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm taking Teddy Bridgewater with the 
with the dancing at the end, which if you haven't seen those videos, those are also fantastic videos. Probably with some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen. Just some of the weird dances he's done. So we're almost done here. I'm I'm bringing back something that I haven't done in a long time. I like it. And people have been asking for it. And it's time. It's time to bring back a beef. Uh, what's led me to do this is watching the Louisville games the past two days. Uh, the Pittsburgh-Louisville game uh, and the Notre Dame-Louisville game last night. And it just – it finally made everything just kind of boil over from all season and everything, to be honest with you. And my beef is with officiating. I, I can't – I'm stealing this from someone on my Facebook. I, I can't understand how a multi-billion dollar company in the NCAA – has officials that aren't paid year-round. They're not trained year-round. They're not paid year-round. You have these officials working in the off-season, different side jobs. Well, isn't it by the division or the conference now? Don't yeah. uh, I think the conference is hiring them because the Teddy Valentine thing, I remember reading the big spread about all that, how he wasn't supposed to be in a certain conference and yada, yada, yada. Well, but either way, same yeah. Difference. So you have that, but you you have this stuff, man, where you have these referees that aren't even trained all the time. They should be getting trained in the off season. If you're a billion dollar company, these officials should be tra- these officials should be getting trained all the time. Two big things that did it for me. That I don't know. You probably didn't see because you said you caught the end of the Louisville Pittsburgh game. Mm-hmm. There was a call in the Louisville Pittsburgh game, which still to. To this day, I know it was just two days ago, I've never seen anything so bizarre in my life. I had the video, so I'll show it to you after after we get done. Okay. There was a there was a play where Jordan Wara and one of Pittsburgh's guys got got uh tied up. Okay. Noara hooked his arm. They blow the whistle, they go directly to the monitor. Which is a focal point this year, which drives me yes. nuts. Any focal points drive me crazy. They go directly to the monitor. And the commentators are just like, I'm not really sure what they're looking for there. I don't know, blah, blah, blah. They come back. They call a common foul on the Pittsburgh guy. And they call a flagrant one on Jordan Wara. The worst flagrant one I've ever seen in my life. Well, I'm telling you, though, that's the call they're making this year on it. Billis was talking about it in one of the Duke games, and it drives me nuts because how is that a flagrant? They they called it a hook and pull. Yeah, that's what it's titled. A as. hook and pull is what they called it, and they gave him a flagrant one. It's crazy. It was the worst the worst thing. So the other one, what they're trying to do is eliminate it from the game, which I understand, but that's going to happen in basketball. When one person has the ball and you're trying to steal the ball and you've got arms involved, you know, maybe if we didn't have arms, that'd be different, but <laughs> I think those are kind of important in basketball. Yeah. So the other one that, um, it, it, it was in the Louisville Notre Dame game last night. There was, Louisville was needing to foul. And they were trying to foul. I don't actually. I, when you watch the video, I have the video of this too. It doesn't even look like she even tried to foul her. But the girl for Notre Dame falls down. Not only does the girl foul out for Louisville, okay, they give her an unsportsmanlike foul. I, 
officiating is so bad nowadays it blows my mind again they have one of the toughest jobs i'm not going to argue with that yeah but to me that is on the ncaa train these people you're you are putting a product out there that makes you multi billions of dollars and you're letting officiating be this bad. Well, that'd be my only defense against it is I wouldn't say it's only the NCAA because even we talked about it briefly. Look at last night in the NBA game, you know, OKC and Spurs, great game. For a fan, you love to watch a game like that, and then all of a sudden the outcome gets dictated by some questionable calls at the end. And I say questionable, you know, if you give a guy a technical in double overtime, to me that's when it becomes questionable because – you know, as a referee, you got to take what they're dishing out at that point. But Paul George did not, you know, once again, look up that highlight, but he did not deserve a technical on that, too. So that's my only defense against that. So that's that's pretty much all I got today. It's a good uh, beef. It, it, is a, it is a good beef. And anybody that's watched college basketball or even some college football games, because there, there were some calls in that game the other day that were kind of questionable, the national championship game that I've it just officiating overall in college sports is a joke to me at the moment. And it's something that needs to be addressed. And I don't know if it will be. But, BJ, I thank you for coming on again. I know you're never going to turn it down unless you have something that just keeps you from being able to do it. Right. Um, I love it, man. I appreciate it. Hopefully the audience enjoys it as well, too. But don't think for a second either Beef doesn't put his heart and soul into these things. So, you know, make sure you guys send them a little bit of love as well, too. Yeah, so, guys, keep liking, keep sharing, keep listening. I'm going to keep putting them out. Um, another long one. It's not as long as I think our last one was was the longest one until we did, I did that one with Richard. World record, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I think you guys are going to like it. There's a lot of good stuff in this one. So, um, go cards. Try to stay out of the snow because it's supposed to snow like three to six inches here. So, In the words of Theo Vaughn, gang, gang. Yes. <laughs>